0: Future trading involves risk and is not suitable for all investors. Content provided in this segment is meant for educational purposes and is not a solicitation to buy or sell commodities.
1: Hello and welcome to From the Furrow, brought to you by Everag Insights. Each week, we talk with subject matter experts on news and topics affecting the grain markets. I'm your host, Britt O'Connell. Let's get started with a review of today's markets. Today is Tuesday, June 6th. July twenty-three corn is up nine cents, trading six dollars and six and a half cents. And July twenty-three soybeans are up nine and three quarters, trading thirteen fifty-nine and three quarters. This week, it is our privilege to have Matt Tranel. Matt is a dairy agent and broker with Everag. Thanks for joining us on the show today, Matt.
0: Thanks for having me, Matt.
1: I want to spend some time talking a little bit about how these higher feed prices have potentially impacted some dairy margins or could in the future. We're certainly in the midst of a weather market right now. Grains have found a little bit of stability and in the case of corn specifically, a little bit of strength on the heels of a drier weather pattern for a good swath of the Corn Belt, particularly the Eastern Corn Belt. Crop condition scores came out yesterday, showing some of that stress has certainly impacted the crop condition ratings. From the dairy side of things, do you pay much attention to the to the grain markets? Is there anything in particular that you monitor that is critical for some of the dairy clients that you work with, Matt?
0: Yeah, so every dairy agent or broker follows the grain markets very, very closely. When you look at the dairy farm, feed is the number one expense that they have. And given that feed is a variable cost, that can really change in a very quick manner. And dairies are always sort of balancing where dairy prices are versus grains looking for opportunities on both. And so it is something that we watch very very closely. We look for different opportunities at any given time. Most recently, the last 30 days, the market had given us a pretty decent opportunity where these corn stepped back below $5 a bushel, any of these dairies that were looking to manage corn silage purchases and such. Uh, Looked at that number as a a spot to kind of jump in. Soybean meal prices stepping back here recently have given a good opportunity for dairies to look at their protein needs. But just kind of looking at uh, in addition to that cow flow, milk flow, when margins get tight versus when margins are maybe a little bit wider margins as of 2022 look to be pretty wide. And so we found that dairies might have looked at maybe some expansion projects, some small expansion projects, especially those dairies that were in milk sheds that grew most of their own feed and put it in at a little cheaper rate than maybe some of their counterparts in the West that were buying it at elevated prices. And vice versa too, When when margins get tight, maybe looking at Q3 2023 right now, and maybe even beyond that also when milk supply kind of contracts a little bit, that's generally due to uh, some tighter margins. So yeah, it's 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 something that we look at on a daily basis. We look at charts. We look at the various geopolitical news. We look at weather here in the United States. That's a big one. Britt touched on that. We look at money flow from from managed money positions. So yeah. Uh, And and I guess just kind of looking at margins beyond just grain, we track the dairy margin coverage program very, very closely that just tracks milk prices over feed costs, just to kind of tell you when things are getting tighter
1: on the farm. So you mentioned a few of the things that you're monitoring for your dairyman or for anybody really who's got to buy feed. As we look forward, what are some of the key components that you're watching that could potentially steer this grain market? I think you know, there's a lot of people that are nervous again about this weather. Could we move back to seven-dollar corn or something north of where we're trending if we had a a real yield-limiting event? Um, but yet, there's some, I'll call it, uh, greater macro. The, the greater macro environment is maybe not as conducive for higher prices. So point me towards how you're looking at that.
0: Yeah. So the number one factor right now that I'm looking at is, is obviously weather. I mean, you look at the last 10 to 14 days, they've been very, very hot. They've been dry. And that hasn't, uh, that, that's been conducive to getting the crop in the ground and the crop went in the ground quicker than the five-year average. But you look at the crop progress report that came out on Monday afternoon, USDA did take down some of the conditions reports by 5% on corn. And so likely we do have some headwinds and, and some support underneath this market for a period of time. Beyond that, I mean, just kind of looking at supply and demand reports, the old crop carryout still stands at $1.4 billion. There should be some support right around this 5.75 dollars and above type price. But right now we're, we're working off of a, uh, like a new crop carryout that came out in May. That also pointed to a carryout of 2.222 billion bushels, which I think most analysts, given the last 10 to 14 days, would probably say that that is going to be too high. I would uh, be in that camp. And uh, I don't know that USDA touches it real drastically here on Friday when they come out with their June report. But I do think that that will be something that gets addressed as we go. Beyond that, things that I'm watching, Black Sea, Grain Corridor, there's always a lot of hoopla in regards to that. OPEC plus, whether they continue to look at production cuts, oil generally supports all of the commodities. Uh, You look at the ongoing Chinese aggression towards Taiwan, given that China is a big buyer of US soybeans, that will have big effects. So I think a lot of those different factors will kind of play into this thing and South America too, right? I mean, I know we're on the backside of the South American crop, but we also got to follow South American prices in order to stay competitive if we want that export market. So those are kind of the main factors. Interest rates are another one and how managed money uh, decides to play that. But weather for now is, is is the main factor.
1: So you just listed off a whole host of things that are really relevant to this market and can have a big impact on feed prices for anybody who's buying feed or for you know the selling price of grain for those who are growing it. If you're working with somebody who's got to buy feed right now, how do you start doing that? How do you start tackling that? How do you manage some of that risk? They, you know, I'm not a milk expert, but uh, I, I catch the winds of what's going on, and there's been pressure on the milk market, so margins are tight to negative. How do you, you know, work with these guys to make sure they're not paying exorbitant prices for feed again, and still, you know, can buy feed as cheap as possible? Yeah. So
0: it all really just comes down to picking your spots, paying attention to. Different opportunities that come about, whether it's on the Chicago Mercantile Exchange or whether it's physically in your cash market. Uh, over the course of the last thirty days, grain markets have given dairy farmers a good opportunity to take a look at picking up some corn needs and some protein needs. We watched board prices nearby and protein drop down to 383.90, and you go into the new crop, October 2023, and beyond. For a period of time, we were 350 to 370, and Knowing full well that soybeans aren't made until August, it's not a bad place to lay some risk off for a period of time, at the very least, until we know more about the crop. Corn also gave us an opportunity, but really just comes down to paying attention to where markets are at at any given time. A lot of times, some of these opportunities do present themselves when we are oftentimes at our busiest whether we're in the fields or whether we're hauling manure or doing something to that effect but keeping a keen eye on, on markets on a daily basis and just trying to pick it up when an opportunity presents itself
1: what are some of those tools you use you mentioned watching the cme you mentioned watching some of the feed prices what are some of the tools that you use with dairyman to help them manage either feed or milk uh, price risk or both yeah
0: so there's there's numerous different tools I guess on the dairy end, we use CME, whether it's futures, whether it's options, it could be those particular tools through their milk processor or milk buyer as well. We use LGM dairy, we use dairy revenue protection, and dairies can also use dairy margin coverage through their local FSA office as well. So there's multiple different tools that you can use on the dairy end. On the feed end of the spectrum, physical forward contracts through their suppliers are a good tool. Futures and options are also available in the exchange. And we just really point them in a particular direction based upon maybe what basis is looking at, like for, for a particular time. If basis is good, you might as well just go to your physical market and get it done. If basis isn't attractive, then we look towards maybe using a CME type structure and even if basis is good and you go to your physical market, even feathering in a couple put options underneath a purchase just to stay flexible, the only guarantee that we have in these grain markets is that they're going to change. And oftentimes they can change in a in a quick manner. And so we preach flexibility.
1: Matt, so you mentioned the basis component, and I think that's really an interesting part because I don't think a lot of people in the industry understand feed basis. Is that something that ever ag understands? Does anybody in the industry understand? How do you navigate that piece of it?
0: Yeah, so it is uh, it is a little bit tougher. Obviously, futures are well-known on the board. Basis is a lot tougher. You got to uncover a lot more in order to come to some type of number. A couple of years back, Everag did launch a feed program. And ultimately, we really tried to tackle this basis piece. And the guy that uh, we hired, his name is Jake Kingsley. He has a knack for being able to recognize opportunities and basis and kind of track that across the countryside. And so we have seen dairymen find tremendous value in in Jake's basis of advice. And we also have a talented team of advisors around him that tackle just that. And yeah, it's it's been a very valuable tool to a lot of the dairymen across the country that we work with.
1: So if... Listeners would like to learn more about some of the offerings that Everag has on managing risk for both dairy, livestock, and feed. How can they best do so, Matt?
0: Yeah, the best way to do it would be to talk through it with your dairy advisor, and your dairy advisor will be able to point you in the right direction, whether that be feed, whether that be essentially trying to manage beef on dairy, animals, any of that. Uh, Just run it by your dairy advisor and... Uh, we can certainly put you in touch with the correct people.
1: Well, thank you for joining us today, Matt. We certainly appreciate your time. If you've enjoyed listening to From the Furrow, feel free to hit the subscribe button, give us a like, or share us with a friend or two. Thank you to Corey Romero, our producer, and Paige Driscoll for mixing and mastering today's production.